like me to seduce you? That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, he walks in a mine. Why is the rum always Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It's a trap. Hey guys, and welcome to the Celluloid Fiends podcast. I'm your host, Mo, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts. My name's Gabriel Orto. And tonight, we're going to be talking about the 2013 film, The Conjuring. Uh, but before that, we'll just get into a little bit of background. So, Gabe, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us the Gabe origin story. All right. Um, well, my name's Gabriel Orto. I currently live in Durham, North Carolina. I um, started falling in love with film when I was a small child, and my father introduced me to the Terminator series. Um I moved to North Carolina about seven years ago um, when my whole family relocated here and um, I met up with a bunch of cool people that um, really enjoy film. I'm really a big um, horror junkie. Um, you might see me bring up some subjects that involve like cult films and films that not a lot of people watch. Um, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily an expert, I'm just a guy that really really likes films and loves discussing them and i am mo long uh, i grew up in carborough north carolina and traveled around a bit came back here a bit of a carb original one might say and i fell in love with film just because that was something i would do with my dad when i was growing up and as a kid he'd always take me to the cinema and once I graduated from university, I had this English degree and no idea what I was going to do with it. So I started working various jobs and writing on the side. And my first paid writing role was as a film critic with the now defunct examiner.com. You can find my writing on cupofmo.com. And that's where I write mostly about film, TV, and music. And I also write a lot about tech. So now we're going to get into what this film is about so this movie came out in 2013 it had a budget of 20 million and made 318 million at the box office it was directed by james wan and it stars patrick wilson lily taylor vera farmiga and ron livingston since its release though the conjuring spawned a series of sequels and spin-offs including the 2016 follow-up the conjuring 2 as well as 2014's Annabelle and the 2017 prequel Annabelle Creation. So it follows the Perron family who move into this aging farmhouse in Rhode Island with their five daughters. But soon after moving in, that's when things start to get a little weird. And it's so strange that the family resorts to calling in reinforcements in the form of demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren. So Gabe, this was not your first time watching the film. No, it was not. It was actually my third time watching this film. Um, now, I'm not, I do have a pretty unpopular opinion when it comes to this film. I don't necessarily think it's the masterpiece that everybody says it is, but we can get more into that a little later. I will say that um, Mo has brought to my attention to not look at it as a piece of real evidence with the case but look at it as more as a, a fictional series and I'll say that once I started doing that when I watched it with Mo last week I enjoyed it a little more but the, there I still think there are some gaping loopholes in this series and with the filmmaking and stuff like that and um, we're going to get more into detail about that a little later so yeah, I'm glad you mentioned kind of your evolving opinion of the film. So can you talk a little bit about how that changed over time and what caused that to change? Um, like when I first saw it, I thought the movie was full of movie cliches and um, it didn't really do a lot of character development. 
and like the, the movie is beautifully shot don't take it the wrong way but when I watch a movie I like to care about the characters and I feel like they just kind of jump in the story and they start with the jump scares and it's just it's like stuff that I've seen before you know what I mean it's just you've seen the jump scares and things I really like in movies is scary especially horror movies is scary imagery like Johnny Depp getting pulled down into the bed in Nightmare on Elm Street that's an image that will constantly haunt me forever in a lot of movies these days and especially James Wan films I feel like they rely on the jump scare and that's not necessarily that scary to me because anybody can go behind the wall and scare somebody and go boo so but I also am not a big fan of Ed and Lorraine Warren um they have been proven again and again to be kind of shysters and just people that are out for the cash instead of the research. And I is and as soon as I found out that this was based off stories from Ed and Lorraine Warren, I was a bit skeptical. Now I'm not saying that that the movie was awful. It was not awful by any means. I just think that it falls short of the hype that I expected from the movie. When, when the movie first came out, people were ranting and raving about this movie. And me and my friend Kenny went to see this movie. And usually when me and Kenny go see a movie, if a movie is not holding our interest, we cannot shut up. We, we, me and him will giggle and that was us throughout the whole movie because of all the cliches and all the things that we thought were ridiculous about the movie but as I said um, Mo, Mo made me rewatch it the other day and he brought up the fact to me I gotta look at it as a fictional piece and I can't look at Ed and Lorraine Warren as real people I gotta look at it almost like a comic book of some sorts and I will say that once I suspended my my disbelief, that I enjoyed the film a little more. And it's interesting kind of how your relationship with this film evolved. Because I had a little bit of the opposite. Where the first time I watched The Conjuring, I loved it. And uh, what I really appreciated was just the minimal use of CGI and you even touched upon this, even though you initially didn't like it all that much. It's a very well-made film. Everything from the soundtrack, which frequent James Wan collaborator Joseph Bishara composed, to the acting. This is probably my favorite role that I've seen Lily Taylor in. It's just a complete masterpiece. And then upon watching it again for a second time, I was focusing just on how many tropes are in the film. But then... Watching it a couple more times, I kind of came back to loving it again. And I think I love it in many ways because of why you didn't appreciate it the first time around. Which is because it doesn't try to do a lot that differently than other films in this genre. It just sticks with the same tropes, but it does them very well. And like it's very similar to films like The Exorcist or Amityville Horror. I don't think it quite has the poetry or the interpersonal relationships like you mentioned, you don't get as invested in the characters as with The Exorcist. But I do think The Conjuring is better than Amityville Horror. It also reminded me a lot of The Haunting. And I'm thinking of the remake of the 1963 film. And interestingly, Lily Taylor was in that as well. So she was kind of typecast in that role. So one thing I was curious about, and I can't quite figure it out. And you mentioned this, which is The Conjuring became really popular. So, how did it become so popular? I feel like in when when The Conjuring came out, we were stuck in an era of constant remakes. We had the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. We had the Halloween remake. Just like, and it was just complete. And we, and 
it was just complete and utter nonsense. And nothing to take away from some of these remakes, but people were just dying for something different. And when James Wan especially came out with movies like Insidious and The Conjuring, I feel like it kind of gave him a taste for that. And that's fine and dandy, but I feel like there should there could be even more to to suck these people more in. And we're going to get more into James Wan a little later, but I feel like the movie just kind of disappointed my expectations. I feel like a lot of people gave, like I read a, a lot of reviews about this movie. I saw all the trailers. I was super excited for this movie. And when it really came down to it, it was really nothing special, especially to um, someone who watches horror movies on the regular. Now, to someone who doesn't watch horror movies on the regular, I could see how they would think that this movie is a masterpiece. Because compared to a lot of garbage that's come out in the past, um, it's it's a it's a good it's a great movie. Um, it is beautifully shot. The soundtrack is amazing. The sound design is amazing, also. But I just feel like there was more that could have been done with it. You know what I mean, Mo? I absolutely agree. And so, one thing that I thought was really interesting about this was something you just said, which was a lot of non-horror fans were flocking to The Conjuring. And I was having people come up to me that I knew were not fans of the horror genre at all and saying that they really enjoyed this. And I think you saw this even more so with Stranger Things, which came out, except Stranger Things kind of mixed genres a lot more, so it had some horror elements in there, some sci-fi, some fantasy, some drama. And I think what helped, in part, The Conjuring become so popular was the way it was kind of toned down. It was not a remake, so it was an original story, and it also had a lot of retro sentiments. It was not just gore porn like James Wan directed Saw, and it was nothing like that. The other thing, though, I think was timing, because the box office debut in North America was in July, and so it was one of the first horror flicks that graced uh, the United States with a wide release during June or July since the 2006 remake of The Omen. And before that, most horror films were kind of in August and early fall, so I think another part of it is just there was lack of competition within the genre at the box office, so... If someone wanted to go see a horror movie, that's kind of all they could really choose from at the time. And then the third component, I think, is also James Wan's name behind it. Because at that point, he had already directed Saw, Dead Silence, and Insidious. And so he was kind of a known player in the space at that point. So tell me a little bit about what you do like the most about this film. And then uh, you mentioned... A little bit of what you don't like, but I kind of want you to expound upon that. What I do really like about this movie is the way they went about the house and, and the filming locations. I really like, it looks gorgeous. And it looks like a place that truly could be haunted and in your nightmares. That's what I enjoyed thoroughly about the movie. I thought like the big tree out front and the old farmhouse it just it resonated with me a little bit but like as it's the thing i didn't like the most about the film was the character development i didn't think it was there i thought that it was just jumping into the story too quickly and as i said i like to care and when i don't know these characters it's hard for me to care so and I also and I also think that it had a lot of horror movie cliches, and when it and as I told you, I'm not a big fan of movies that rely on the jump scare, which is something that is starting to die out now, but but it's still kind of there. I don't mind a jump scare or maybe two, but when you have passed like two or three jump scares in a movie 
I think is just kind of ridiculous. And I think you should rely more on scary storytelling and scary imagery. And I didn't think it had enough scary imagery for, imagery for me, and I don't think the storytelling was that great. Those are definitely some fair points. And I did feel like The Conjuring kind of used jump scares as a bit of a crutch. I do think a saving grace, though, is Lily Taylor's performance in there, because I think she really does a fantastic job of showing the kind of distressed mother who's worried about her children. And you kind of see that even more at the end when you find out that she's the one that the demon has kind of attached to and because she was the most emotionally vulnerable. And uh, I, I really liked that hide and clap scene. I thought that was probably my favorite scene in the whole movie just because it really kind of keeps you going. And that's kind of a turning point in, in the movie when the mom discovers that something supernatural is going on and that it's not just her children's imagination. Did you have any favorite scenes in the film? Um, I really didn't have any certain particular favorite scenes. Um, I will say that when the little girl wakes out of bed and she sees her sister bashing her head against the the closet was it like the wardrobe uh, and then she put her back to bed and then she hears it again and the and the other girls in bed that was something that i thought was kind of ingenious because that's like a that's like a kind of a scare that i was hope there that's a that's a scare i think they did right like it's like it's like my girlfriend was talking to me about this the other day there are just certain things that scare you to the points that are just that it's it just frightens your life like she was talking about the book Salem's Lot and there was a part where he's where this guy says well I saw my friend outside my window the only problem was I lived on the second story and just the image of someone floating outside of your second story window is terrifying so when you hear a noise in your house you usually go and investigate and you fix what's making that noise and then when you fix that noise and that noise persists that's a little bit scary too so i think that that would probably be one of my favorite scare slash moments of the movie i suspect you may say the entire film but did you have a least favorite scene um, I will say the the finale was kind of my least favorite part of the movie. Um, since we're looking at it from a fictional standpoint, I feel the whole possession thing has kind of been done to death the last few years. Especially, even before The Conjuring came out, we had like the exorcism of Emily Rose I think it was and we had the last exorcism one and the last exorcism two and it was just like I just wish it was a little more than that you know so that I would have to say that would be my least favorite part of the movie I have to agree with you I think the weakest point was definitely the finale and I'm, I'm a little torn on this because on the one hand you don't really wish harm on the family at the same time, I think the happy ending was kind of what you expected to occur. And that's the one place that a trope really bothered me in this movie. The jump scares, that didn't really bother me. It's like, sure, it's just chock full of tropes, but they're well done. The ending, though, just felt so cliche. And I just wanted a surprise there. And I did think some of the jump scares were pretty well executed. I knew they were coming, they were very choreographed, and yet... It was still successful in his execution. The ending, though, just with that happy music playing, felt so mundane. But I think later films in this universe have actually improved on that. Annabelle Creation, notably, which I don't think you've seen that one yet. I did not see the whole film. But that, the ending pleasantly surprised me. 
because I went into that thinking I'll enjoy the movie but it'll just be your typical fare and it was refreshingly dark at the end it, it caught me off guard kind of like the first time I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street where it's kind of that fake happy ending so we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we are going to have a debate about James Wan whether he is a hero or a menace to the celluloid fiends podcast um right now we're about to have a topic of discussion and today's topic of discussion is james wan hero or menace now as you can probably tell from the first part of our podcast me and mo have two not necessarily totally different points of view but we're kind of opposite on it so what we're gonna do now is we're both gonna give the pros and cons and how we really feel about James Wan and his body of work. So, as you can probably guess, I think James Wan is a hero. Uh, so specifically with The Conjuring, I love how he miraculously directed this throwback horror film that has a lot of retro sentiments. Even the title card has these kind of like 70s, almost hammer horror graphics on there. And I like the way he's been able to kind of reach across the aisle and appeal to non-traditional horror fans. But I think what I like the most is the way that he's kind of done for horror what Marvel Studios did for the superhero genre. And of course on a much smaller scale. But it, his films far surpass just that one movie. So there was The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. There's an announced Conjuring 3, and then of course the spin-off films. So there was Annabelle, which I actually didn't think was very good, and Annabelle Creation, and then there are two forthcoming films in The Nun and The Crooked Man. I also appreciate a lot how Juan is able to take a franchise like this, and he's able to hand off directional duties to other folks and kind of let them put their creative spin on his universe so annabelle creation was actually not directed by juan and i really liked what the director david f sandberg did with that film and it's kind of neat to see these characters and how other directors portray them within the universe but I want to hear why do you think he is a menace um me personally i think that james wan isn't necessarily a menace but more of a person that i don't want you to be the figurehead of the horror genre and one of the reasons i don't necessarily think he's the greatest is one of the reasons that you actually like him is I feel like he makes these babies and then he sends them off to boarding school. And I feel like the first ones in his series are always him at his prime. And except for, I think, 
Insidious 2, he created the original, not, yeah, Insidious, no, The Conjuring 2, my bad, The Conjuring 2. He would create the original and then hand it off to somebody else. He did direct Insidious 2. He, didn't, well. he did direct Insidious 2? Yes. Alright, my bad. But I feel, especially with some of his earlier work, like like Saw. Saw was originally a short film that he had created. And it got greenlit for a feature length. And he nurtured that baby. And he made a great film that not a lot of people have seen. And then he handed off to other directors in the studio. And sometimes when that happens, I feel like you lose the element that made it special in the first place. And especially with the Saw series, they just beat that horse until it couldn't until it was a pile of pulp. And I feel like maybe I would I would like him a little more if he took a little bit more care with with his children. Now, maybe after three or four of them, maybe hand it off. But I feel like part of the, the great feeling of movies like The Conjuring and Saw and even Insidious was that James Wan touch. And I feel like with movies like Annabelle and stuff like that, it, ju it just gets lost in translation. Now, there's movies by James Wan that I actually love. I thought that Silence was a masterpiece. But then there's also some other things I don't necessarily like about his style. Um, you like jump scares. I feel that he has relied on it. Not necessarily in his earlier works like Saw and Dead Silence. But I feel when it came to things like insidious in the conjuring we started depending on that a little more and that's not necessarily what i like about the horror genre and people make him out to be the person who changed the game he saved horror movies and when i really look at it i think he didn't necessarily save horror movies he saved hollywood horror movies if you're really into horror movies, then you know that there has been independent movies and movies that weren't necessarily endorsed by big studios that were masterpieces these last these last ten years, like like the Maniac remake. That was by far one of my favorite movies of the last six years. Um, I just I don't feel like he people feel like keep on talking him up and i feel like he he deserves his dues because he did make some decent films i just don't look at him like i'll put him on a pedestal some like some people do some people put him with the greats they're like john carpenter wes craven james wan and i'm just like nah not really not really i have to agree with you on that I, while I do think he is a hero and really admire what he's done, and I think he is an important director, I think it's odd how much he gets put on a pedestal. And there was actually this bloody disgusting article from 2016 that claimed that Juan deserves to be ranked with John Carpenter, George A. Romero, and Dario Argento as a, horror, a master of horror. And I, I really can't get behind that, even though I do think he is a great director. I just I don't think he's up there with the Carpenters, the Cravens, the Romeros, the Argentos. But the criteria for this article, which was titled James Wan is the most important horror director of the last 20 years, disagree with the title. But the criteria were they must have directed at least one truly brilliant horror movie. They must have directed multiple films in the horror genre. They must have only risen to prominence within the genre over the last 20 years. And they must have consistently directed good, great, or at the very least interesting horror films. 
So, who would you say you think is the most important horror director of the last 20 years? Ooh, that's a tough, tough question. Because I'm going to be honest with you, man. Um, there hasn't been a lot of fantastic horror or even thriller directors that have really been that special the last 20 years. Um, I would say maybe Fede Alvarez. Um, Fede Alvarez was the director of the Evil Dead remake and he also made the movie um, Don't Breathe. And I thought those two movies were amazing. I liked both of them equally. Um, but there hasn't been a lot of super great horror directors that have come out the last two decades. I think we always look at directors that came out in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we don't really take into consideration the people that maybe started in, in the 2000s. And as far as J James Wan being, pop being a great director in the last 20 years, I can't deny that. He's put out some works that were great. I just don't think it's Hall of Fame worthy. You know, like it's like sports. There are some players that had great careers. For every for every Michael Jordan, there is a Scottie Pippen, and and James Wan, you are Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen of horror. I kind of like that. There's a good ring to it. Uh, and I'd have to agree, I think Fede Alvarez is my favorite horror director in the past 20 years. And it's kind of weird because you used to have these giants, like John Carpenter and Craven and Romero, and you don't really have that as much anymore. And one thing, though, about James Wan's films is you tend to see his name on a lot, so even if he didn't direct it. And I think that's why a lot of folks tend to put him on this pedestal, because, like, lights out he didn't direct it but he produced it but yet the trailer still says from producer james wan so i feel like his name has kind of become almost like this marketing slogan that is slapped onto trailers and it does kind of have his formula some of the directors deviate from that slightly but he kind of has his camp which is kind of borrowed very heavily from other directors oh yes i feel that he he slaps his name on a lot of things and which could be good and bad while getting your movie a few more views than it would have if you just said someone else directed it because you can say from the team that brought you insidious from the team that bought you brought you the conjuring and that'll get people to come to your movie there's no doubt in my mind but it's also not a good thing because he's attaching his name to movies that maybe he didn't have his heart into. And there's been a couple people who have done that in the past. Quentin Tarantino has done it and other people have done it. But usually it's with movies that you're super invested in and you helped make the movie. Now, James Wan, I feel like Maybe he helped a little bit, but I don't feel he was invested in Lights Out. You know what I mean? And I don't feel he was invested in the rest of the Saw series. I feel like he gave his input, and then they just kind of ran with it. He wasn't on set. He wasn't in the editing room. He was just someone they talked to. Kind of a consult. And... They paid him for it. It's a it's a it's it's a marketing machine for his name. They'll be like, "Listen, James, we'll give you this amount of money. Just let us slap your name on there, and you can give us our honest opinion on what we we were about to do." And he'll be like, "Okay," because who doesn't like money? But I feel like if when you start when you start not using your name as much, it makes it a little bit more special. So when you see a movie that says like 
George A. Romero or Wes Craven or John Carpenter, Stephen King, things like that. You feel Stephen King didn't direct anything, but he wrote a lot. But I feel like once you don't attach your name to as many things, it makes it a little bit more special once it comes out because it's not something you see every day. And I feel like James Wan attaches his name to a movie at least twice a year. Real quick, Stephen King actually did direct one film, Maximum Overdrive. But famously, and I'm paraphrasing this, someone asked Stephen King if he was going to direct any more films, and he said something to the effect of, have you seen Maximum Overdrive? It was not the best film. I enjoyed it was a bit of a clusterfuck so if Juan did hold on to all the franchises that he started and continued directing them though don't you think that there's a chance those would just become very stale I feel like when you hold on to these franchises you know when to properly end them and they don't necessarily become stale like Dead Silence did not need sequels and there and he held on to that baby and it never had sequels and that's why to me Dead Silence is one of the best movies he's ever done because it hasn't been beaten to death now when you have Saw, Saw was a genuinely good movie when you hand it off to different people they just beat the horse maybe if he would have held on to that Saw baby he could have gave it the proper ending and it wouldn't have gone 18,000 movies like it did. And I feel maybe if he would have held on to the Conjuring spinoffs, maybe we wouldn't have 18, we wouldn't have all, like I didn't think the Annabelle movie, I, we maybe wouldn't have had the Annabelle movies. And I feel it probably would have been better than it was. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it, when you own something, you can give it the proper death. And there are even famous directors that have done this. Directors that I revere more than James Wan. Like, John Carpenter has let the Halloween franchise go. And it's, it's not, it's the same song and dance. Like, you like the original or the ones that the original director did, and then sometimes it's, they just let it go, and it just does not work out. Wes Craven did it with Nightmare on Elm Street. He did not direct all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. He didn't come back till New Nightmare. And New Nightmare, I thought, was one of the better ones in the franchise. Now, some people may disagree with me, but I feel like when the guy who had the vision takes the reins, it's just a little bit fresher and you can give it the proper death. And that really is a, an important component is knowing not only when to continue something, but when to give it a mercy killing. Yeah. So are you excited about The Conjuring 3? Are you excited about The Nun and The Crooked Man? What are your um, thoughts on these spinoffs? I am excited for the new insidious movie i saw the trailer and i feel like they're going in a little bit of a different direction with it and i'm interested now i haven't seen any trailers i don't even know if they have any out for the new conjuring or the nun movie um and i am not really looking forward to that um especially the nun movie because i didn't like the concept of the nun that looked like marilyn manson in the first place in conjuring 2 so a whole like like just another movie about that i don't think it warrants it just like i didn't think annabelle warranted a spin-off I feel like maybe if we stuck to the Conjuring movies and James Wan directed, it would be a little more special. Um, but I am excited for the new Insid Insidious movie because it looks like it's going in a direction that I would have wanted it to go. 
and it it just looks better than a lot of the stuff that has been coming up that has Mulan's name attached to it, especially the Annabelle movies. I'm also really jazzed for the next Insidious film, and it looks like it's kind of a prequel. I'm glad, though, that it does not feature that weird Darth Maul demon thing from the first Insidious, because the first time I saw that, all I could think of was Darth Maul, and it really felt like the creature design could have been different, simply to avoid any Star Wars imagery in there. I, I'm Unlike you, I'm actually really keen to see The Nun, even though there are no trailers out or anything, but just because it's been brought up so many times throughout the series i know you didn't see all of annabelle creation yet but there was a quick easter egg that hinted at the nun in that so i'm just really curious to see the origin story at the same time i'll probably go into that like i did with annabelle creation very skeptical initially just because it could be full of tropes hopefully i'll be surprised and it'll be like annabelle creation and it will kind of an ending or something that gives it a unique spin and differentiates it from other genre films so is there a director you think could have done a better job getting back to the conjuring with that film a better director um for the conjuring or for the nun for the conjuring um i think that I, I, we haven't even done an official review on this ch on this show for this yet, but I think that the director of the new It movie did a fantastic job, and I feel like he... I feel that if anybody other than James Wan could have done it, maybe Fede Alvarez and maybe the person that directed the new It movie, because the new It movie was genuinely scary. And we'll review that a little later, but I think he did a fantastic job. Um, I feel like he could have... I feel like he's one of the people that could have brought the series to a level where I respected it a little more. I agree. I, I think he's a good pick. I would have been keen to see what he would do. I also think Fetty Alvarez would have been a solid choice to direct The Conjuring. I would have also been interested to see what David Robert Mitchell would have done with The Conjuring. Uh, I loved It Follows, and I think he could have done something pretty fresh. And someone else that I think would have done a phenomenal job is Del Toro, uh, especially just because of how this film relies on more practical effects as opposed to CG. And Del Toro's films tend to have phenomenal effects. Um, I think Del Toro could have really brought more to the to the creature effects. Every movie that Del Toro has done, the creatures are amazing. Even if the movie's awful, the creatures are amazing. And the makeup's amazing, and the practical effects are just great. We're talking Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, just, like, Pacific Rim, even. Like, just the effects. Some of the practical... And I know Pacific Rim was a lot of CGI, but there was some practical effects in there that were just, just fantastic. And I think Del Toro could have done something with this film. The question is, is would, would he take over the reins for a franchise that I don't, I don't think he would have taken on the project? Nor do I. I think he would have made a great one-off film, but I don't think he would have created an entire universe so we're going to take a break and when we get back we're going to talk about the conjuring a bit more first clap second clap
I know where you're hiding. Give me the third clap. <laughs> I'm gonna get you now. I can hear you breathing. Hey guys, we're back and we are talking about The Conjuring. So, Gabe, let's do a little fantasy casting. So, is there anyone that you would swap out that you think would do really well in The Conjuring? In The Conjuring? I feel that they did a pretty good job casting it, except for maybe the mother. And I forgot the name of the actress, but she doesn't get enough play these days. She was in a movie called Dread, and the main female character in Dread, I think, could have replaced the mother in this film. And I know a lot of people would disagree with me, but I feel that maybe a little younger face could have done it well, and I think that her acting would have been more suiting to, to the film. So, Dread was the 2009 Clive Barker film. Yes. Okay. I haven't seen that one. Interestingly, I think that's one of the few characters that I would recast from The Conjuring. I, too, thought it was pretty well cast. Uh, I think if anyone, I, I might recast the, the dad. But I'm not sure if that's because uh, that Ron Livingston just didn't do a great job in that role or... I feel like the dad just wasn't that prominent. He really wasn't, but you gotta remember, also in the film, he was like a truck driver of some sort. I don't know, they didn't get into a bunch of character development. And he was away some of the film. Um, is there anybody in particular you feel like would have done a better job? I would have probably put Scott Bakula in that role. I'm just a big Bakula fan. I really liked what he did in Lord of Illusions, and I would be interested to see him in another horror film, because to my knowledge, it's the only horror film that he's been in. And so I, I would like to see him in that role. Uh, he's also kind of a, an actor who's good at playing a headlining role, as well as being kind of a secondary or even tertiary character, so that's why I think he would be a good role as the father. I, I thought the girls were pretty well cast. Um, can I say something? I, if I were to recast the father, um, I would have picked somebody that would play that would have played Haggard a little more. And I feel an actor that plays Haggard really good, and we saw it in shows like The X Files, and was he he was in Californication? Is David Duchovny? I think that he would have made a good like Haggard father from like. The movie takes place in the 70s, right? From the 70s. I think he would have done a good job. You know, that's an actor, I think, who could have played the dad pretty well. And the series was canceled after two seasons, but I thought he did a really good job in Aquarius, which was kind of set in the 60s. So I think he could play that character pretty well. Yeah, no, I... That would have been some good fantasy casting right there. So, why don't we rate this guy? And we're going to do this out of ten. Yes. So, I'll let you go first, Gabe. Okay, the original Conjuring from 2013 out of ten, I would have to rate this a 4.6. Because a 5, I think, would be good. And it's like on the cusp of being good. Not great, just good. But it kind of falls short. So I'm going with a 4.6 on this one. You know, that's higher than I thought you were going to give it. Just throughout this episode, I was thinking, yeah, if you give it a 3, that's going to be high. So I'm, I'd have to give it an 8. And... I totally agree with you. It doesn't really do a lot new with the possession subgenre. It's completely full of tropes. 
but yeah, it's this gorgeous piece of eye candy. It's well acted. Like we discovered during the fantasy casting, there are not even that many folks that we would recast in it. So I thought it was well cast. The soundtrack's phenomenal. Really, my only beef with The Conjuring is the happy ending just really didn't do it for me at all. And I think if that one small tweak had been made, it would have probably bumped it up to an 8.5, maybe even a 9. Probably an 8.5. Definitely the ending. Kind of, like... I didn't like the scary part of the ending. I thought that the real ending with, with just the... And then they all lived happily ever after. Just kind of... Just kind of wasn't that great. And I also... I feel like... A lot of people liked this Easter egg. But I thought it was kind of pandering to the audience when they're like... We got a case in Long Island. And they're obviously talking about the Amityville case. And I'm like, really? Is that really how it happened? And I feel like that was kind of like, come on, guys. It, 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 like, like, we get it. We get it that you worked on the Amityville case. We get it that you're demonologist. It's just, it's like, just a reminder, we worked on Amityville. That part was pretty cheesy, and I feel like completely and totally unnecessary. <laughs> Definitely think that could have been cut. I did really like the beginning, though, as well, with the bait and switch. That, I thought, was pretty clever, how... It's kind of focusing on the Annabelle doll, and then it completely shifts focus. And one thing I'm glad, though, that the ending did not do was I'm glad that it did not set up a forced sequel, which I think a lot of horror films do nowadays. And I know we haven't reviewed this, but that's something it sort of did. But that was also fitting with the literature that it was based on, how after the credits roll during it, you see a, a title card come up that says it chapter one, which implies that there's going to be a chapter two. Of course, if you're familiar with the source text, you know that the first It movie only focused on a small portion of the book. So it would have been kind of obvious. But didn't like the happy ending. Would have preferred this to be a dark ending. But at least it didn't set up a forced sequel. <laughs> which the studio ended up... And James Wan ended up forcing a sequel anyways. So that really didn't matter. It was just based on a different... It, it, they forced a sequel anyways. And they forced spinoffs. Don't lie. They did. Oh, no. I, they forced <laughs> spinoffs. I agree with that. I did like that the sequel focused on a different family and didn't follow the Perrons. Of course, then it also focused on another story with the Warrens. So it made you suspend your disbelief again. Right. All right, that's our show for the evening. Uh, go ahead and give us a like on Facebook, and please subscribe and tell your friends. I'm Gabriel Orto, and I'm Mo Long, and this is the Celluloid Fiends podcast. Please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to please stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 Stop it.